millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, hustlers. We know that this 2024, the entrepreneurial journey is filled with challenges. An often overlooked aspect is the time-consuming task of processing payroll and managing government requirements. And did you know that the average admin spends a whopping 50 hours per month dealing with just government compliance? That's time you could be spending on growing your business, or let's be honest, taking a well-deserved break. But fear not, we got a game changer for you, introducing Sprout Solutions and their tailored solutions for MSMEs called the Payroll Starter. With Sprout Solutions Payroll Starter, you can finally reclaim your time and get your life back on track. Say goodbye to the stress of remembering tax dates or worrying about missed payroll runs. This bundle is designed to make your life easier and your business more efficient. And here's the best part. The cost starts just at 5,000 pesos per month for businesses with up to 10 employees. Yep, you heard that right. That's just 5,000 pesos per month. So why spend another minute routing in payroll paperwork when Sprout can revolutionize the way you manage your payroll and government requirements? Take the first step towards a more efficient business today. Visit sprout.ph slash payroll starter monthly 5k. If you missed that, don't worry. We have it in the description box of this episode. So click that too. And again, big shout out to Sprout Solutions because your time is too valuable to be spent on paperwork. Reclaim it with their payroll starter. Now let's begin this episode. The Hustle Share podcast is brought to you by PDAC. PDAX is a homegrown cryptocurrency exchange that offers the best rates among local cryptocurrency exchanges. Download the PDAX app now on the Google Play Store, App Store, or Huawei App Gallery. Start trading Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies for as low as 50 pesos by signing up on podlink.co slash hustleshare PDAX. Also powered by Podmachine. The simplest way to grow and edit your podcast. Sign up now at podmachine.com and use the code HUSTLESHARE to get one free edit. There is a version of e-commerce where the company puts you in a profit, right? It's not just going to be an endless free. You know, there is, there is light at the end of the tunnel if you do it right. So, yeah. Welcome to HUSTLESHARE. The podcast that features the daily grinds of unique hustlers around the world to show not our differences, but that our hustles are very much alike. Now here's your host, Ronster Beitiong. Welcome to the latest episode of the Hustle Share Podcast. We are with another iterative alum, right? Uh, a few months back, we, we, we heard about what iterative is. It's basically the YC of Southeast Asia. We had Suken Oi, um, who, again, told us why we wanted to create uh, Iterative to help Southeast Asian founders, you know, get the YC results per se. Today, we have an alum that's doing really well from, I think, the latest batch of Iterative. So let's welcome to the show, Mr. Ando Ramos of O-D-D. Whoop, whoop. 
welcome to the stage. I'm Dylan, and uh, thanks for having, uh, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, Ron. Sir, been a fan of the show for a while. Okay, perfect. And again, congratulations, make the iterative. I think we just ended, just had your demo day, demo day recently, uh, as far as I can remember. And I've been low-key known about you guys uh, for quite a while now. But the reason why I also really found out is because I've, for, for the past few months, I've been studying how to be a VC. I've never told that to anybody here in, in Hustle Share. So I've got part of this program called Insignia Ventures Academy. Where technically it's a it's like a YC to learn how to be a venture capitalist, and one of my colleagues or one of my batchmates pitched ODD during one of our IC sessions. Like, oh, what are these guys? And blah blah blah, blah for a couple of weeks back, and then told us like, how did I not be, uh, get these guys on the show yet? So that's why we're here. But before again, I get carried away. I need to ask you, Ando, the million-dollar question. Ando, what's your hustle? So, you know, my hustle's odd or on-demand deals. And essentially what we are, we're an asset-like e-commerce company, and we build cloud convenience stores that deliver in minutes. So, yeah, our main mission is really just to evolve e-commerce from these asset-heavy warehouses that burn money to asset-like warehomes that actually earn money. And the ultimate vision is, just transform anyone's unused space into a quick business. Yeah, that's what we do. And that's why we do it. That's amazing. All right. Now, again, before uh, what that is. So when you say it's it's odd or ODD or odd, right? That That's how you want to call it, right? So odd. Yeah, All right. It's odd. So yeah. um, what, what you guys are doing are literally jumping off of the power of e-commerce and the on-demand economy, right? But when you say odd right and um quick commerce and you mentioned that it's gonna be transforming somebody else's home are we talking about private uh residences that you now turn into many convenient convenience stores that can be your fulfillment center to deliver goods or 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 is it something else no that's that's exactly it um so right now most of our odd stores are in you know, their houses, they're in condos. Uh, we have, we also have actually started dealing with uh, business as well. So, you know, even businesses have extra space. So, you know, earn extra income. And it's not something that's alien. Because again, most most mom and pop stores, the Sari Sari stores, have already been doing this. The problem is they only sell to their vicinity, right? I grew up with my mom having a little Sari Sari store in this little uh, four four um, four story apartment that I grew up in. And yeah, it's always been there. It's it's something uh, that that that's written in existence for a while. But before I get carried away again, too, I need you to buckle up, my man Ando, because we're gonna have to ride the hustle share time machine. All right, because again, before we even talk about the stores that you now have put up all over. The Philippines, I need to ask you first how you started out. Because again, you have a very, very wide array of experiences with startups. And I'm very uh, impressed by what you've done. But before we even talk about your startup experience again, um, I need to ask you first, free startup. And I want to talk to you about school and um, probably even before school. Was there any exposure to entrepreneurship in your family? 
And was business something that you really wanted to do early on? So, you know, when I look, when I look back at my family, actually, we don't really have much entrepreneurs. I think the biggest entrepreneur is actually my, my grandmother and my mother's side. Um, but actually, with, with, my, with my immediate family, um, not, not much entrepreneurs. Most, most of them actually, you know, they work professions. So a lot of doctors, lawyers. My dad was a, basically, a, a, he worked corporate his whole life. Uh, my mom's a, a housewife, so actually not much uh, entrepreneurship in my family. It's actually more in my friends that I was. Got it. No, but that exposure to your friends, what what, what did that bring you? Because again, somehow, some way, there's no again no entrepreneur that is you know born. We all have our influences somewhere, whether it's from the family, from our immediate network, from our friends, whatever. Um, who, how did that transpire with you? Yeah, so I think um, the the biggest mentor or sort of inspiration I've, I've had with my entrepreneurship journey is actually one of my best friends. So Luis Sia, uh, co-founder oh, of Paymango. Luis. Yeah, yeah, co-founder of Paymango, co-founder of Playdex. Um, yep. So yeah, I mean, and actually he's also a co-founder of Odd. So he actually helped me start it. So yeah, honestly, it's 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 his like friendship that sort of inspired me in a relatable way regarding entrepreneurship. I think, um, you know, when you're friends, you can sort of cut through all the, you know, bull crap and just, you know, get straight to, you know, what you need to focus on, what really matters. And I mean, you get to see the ups and downs, right? Like, you know, when, when you're, when you're, when you're close friends, you know, you're able to sort of share also the, the hardships involved. So you get more of that real perspective that sort of prepares you for, you know, how it's actually probably going to go. Got it. That's amazing. And that's absolutely correct. If you have the right friends, and again, as cliche as it may sound, right? I I strongly believe about uh, the saying that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with, right? And if you happen to surround yourself with the likes of Luisia, who've also heard influence so many other startup founders who have even waited to YC, to Iterative. Heck, even Mikey is doing an amazing job now, right? Um, Yeah. That just rubs off. But I want to understand first, because how young were you guys when you started uh, working on this? Because the the young kids also now, um, especially at the age of 20 to probably 27, what you decide to do, and I sound old as shit saying this, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) Yeah, man. No, but man, here's the thing. And this is hindsight being 2020. Whatever you decide to do after college or probably even during the late uh, part of college will literally dictate the next 10 to 15 years of your life. Because if you decide to, oh, I am missing out so much. I I need FOMO. I need to enjoy life. I don't want to hustle. Hustle sucks, right? I need to enjoy life. I'm missing out so much. What do I need to do? Oh my God, my friends are going to LU, right? What you going to do with that shit, right? But if you surround yourself with the right people that actually make you understand why you need to hustle in preparation for the future, then you'd get the secret, you know? Because most people don't ever see the light of it. And they it becomes like a, an echo chamber of mediocrity across the world. How was that like with Luis and your friends? I think 
it was definitely a, a balanced experience. So in a way, it's very work hard, play hard culture. Because, um, you know, we, we, of course, work, work is, I would say, one of the most important parts of your life, right? It gives you purpose, keeps you motivated, keeps you focused. Um, but at the same time, your life can also just be about work. So I think like one thing about Luis is, um, and at least the group of friends that we have, and I think it's extended also the culture here at Odd is, you know, we also take time to take care of ourselves. And, you know, that's also about playing, right? So it doesn't have to be just about partying, right? Playing could be about like playing good sports, um, taking time to read a book that you're interested in and yeah, spending time with your friends, right? So I think it's it's the balanced um, part of approach that works with me and my friends. Yeah, that's amazing. And what are those conversations like? Because again, your average of the five people you spend the most time with. But I want to know if you're again a lot of a lot of the listeners of this show are young twenty somethings. How do you know if you have the right people around you? Because again, you never know that. Oh, maybe I'm I'm just part of the FOMO crew, right? You kind of have to surround yourself with better people at that point. What are the conversations like happening with the right hustle hard, play hard type of group? Because you'll never know that. Oh shoot, I'm just stuck within this pinwheel, and guess what? I've wasted five to ten years of my hustle hard, play hard. I thought I was doing, but look, I'm stuck wherever I am. How was that like with what were those conversations like in, in your crew per se? So I think um, especially when I look at my, my close friends, mm. really friction makes fire. And it's the it's the arguments that you have that sort of show you the you know how you add on to each other, right? Yeah. Iron so, sharpens iron, my man. That's there. Yeah, and it's it's really how you know ideas evolve. Because if it's just you know arguments that sort of put people down or you know there, there are cultures like that right in terms of like you know people that are friends that you know there's when they argue it's more to prove that they're right but yeah. if you have an argument that sort of builds up that you know sort of refines what each another you know each other saying or like proposing then it becomes you know it becomes this this mental exercise and it's, you're just like flowing with your friends and it's, yeah you're disagreeing but you're disagreeing to agree and yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that's sort of like what I look for in my friends. It's like, I, I like people who can disagree with me, but can yeah. also disagree with, right? And it's all about like, okay, how do you, whatever you're talking about, how can you just do better, right? right. So there's bound to be a way to do better. And whether right. that's in your, in your startup or, you know, even with your relationships. So, yeah. That's great. And again, that's, that's what it is. And if you are not surrounded with those people, that push you outside of your comfort zone. You're, <laughs> you're, you're the wrong set of friends, guys. Um, and there's nothing wrong with having new sets of friends. I had to do that as well, right? Um, somehow, some way, I felt like if I stayed with the same group of friends that I had, which I still for my friends now, but I go through them for different shit. I go through them to fill my heart. But I, when I'm trying to hustle, I have a different set of groups uh, that, I, that I go through because again if they're not challenging me and don't empathize with me guess what I'm going to be like that and I don't want to right now let's talk about your, your startup life you became a research associate after school in Atneo you did AIM 
as an intern there, a research associate. And again, that, that jump started every single thing. It's going to be a lot that we're going to have to tackle with. But how did you then get into the startup ecosystem and what was your entry point to the hmm. ecosystem? So honestly, it was, it was still Luis that got me into it. So I think it all started to do with Upstart. So it's a student organization that uh, actually he started first in UP and then uh, reached out to me to start in Ateneo. So yeah, it, it, in terms of Upstart, um, for, for, the, for the Upstart in Ateneo, our, our whole goal was really to bridge students with tech startups through job opportunities. So whether it came to certain form of employment or internships, and basically the whole philosophy of the org was, you know, if your dream is to start your own tech startup or your own business, the best way to do it is actually to work at a startup first. Yes, right? startup absolutely. Rope, right? You know, you, you see the, the tops, the bottoms, and it sort of gives you all the skills and even the drive to prepare you for like, the, it is honestly like starting your own company. It's, it's 24-7. You said it yourself, uh-huh. like, It'll never leave your head. So it's, you know, it's good to get practice. And, you know, actually that's that's where it started because that's also what exposed me to all the companies that I was able to work with. Um, That's actually how I got my internship at Uber. So, yeah. How is that internship in Uber? Because, again, if you're really trying to get, there's no better way to, you know, um, get your feet wet and understand because you can always say, oh my God, startup, it's cool. They have free coffee. They have free whatever. But now, startup life is not for everybody. And I'm on my third company now. And if, if you're not built to, to, to move fast, to be nimble, to be agile, this thing, this, this whole industry will chew you up and spit you out of life. Right? <laughs> like, there ain't no room for, for, for slow people here and who doesn't have that DNA, right? But what was that welcome to the industry type of moment when you got into Uber? And yeah, Uber was really killing it uh, during this time. What was that like for you? Uber for me was like, I think the best summer of my life. Um, I was in a batch of like 20 plus interns. And, you know, the company, like the city team there, I think was less than 10 or just around 10 strong. Yep. So we actually like tripled their workforce for that that period and you know it was just it was such a great culture because like it was full of trust um because they were startup right so they needed the extra uh, hands but they really trusted us to do the work and you know like they even flew us out they flew us to Cebu do like ground research talk to drivers um, research on taxis so I actually had to like ride one uh, one day in in, in Iloilo I was like riding like 30 taxis a day just interviewing (laughs) getting how much did I pay Nice. It, it was it was such a hustle, but it was a fun hustle. It was like everyone there was everyone there were friends, basically. Like the yeah. culture was was very strong, uh-huh. and you know even like until until today, like I have friends from there. Um, some of our advisors are odd. Actually, my first boss, uh, EJ De La Vega, um, Rocky Kodiama, You know, basically they they're, they're advising us up, up up until this to this day. So I re- I think it was like a great. Um, you know, sort of wake up of like, you know, what it takes to start up, like all the hustle, dirty, nitty gritty work you actually need to do. But at the same time, you also see like what what actually empowers people to do that is culture, right? You have the right culture, you inspire people, you get them behind the pause. They're willing to do the nitty gritty work, yep. right? Because they believe in what they do. So 
I think that was sort of like my experience there. All right. Now, after this, I think you still went back to school, but the official employment that I, I see on your LinkedIn, I'm not being a creep, uh, I, didn't, I didn't research it, but I was on your LinkedIn, is Entrego, right? And is this the Entrego where uh, Cons was still running it? Mm, yeah. Right. yeah. Okay. So Entrego again, when Constantine Roberts is, is still running it, right? Um, totally different beast, right? Um, yeah. What was that like being an analyst in the commercial team there? And you stayed there for a while too. Uh, and how did you technically go up the ranks? And what are those things that you learned while being in Trego? Yeah. So I think you know Entrego was really this uh, surprise. Actually, um, I, the 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 progress there was actually I I I was a management trainee in Zalora, right? And like when we joined the company, um, it was basically like a surprise on our first day. Like, hey, we're actually gonna sign half of you to help build this new company called Intrego. Wow. When we joined, it was literally a business paper. Like it was a paper or like the memo that secured the funding to start the company. And so. Like that was the starting point. So if you can imagine, like, like it was really seeing that zero to one. Wow. I think, I think that was the first thing. Cause like, it was like, of course it was, it was, you know, there was a team, you know, it was Dolores in-house fulfillment and logistics, but, you know, really setting things up, getting your first client, uh, making the first pitch deck, making the first logo, um, all of these things, you sort of like see firsthand mm-hmm. and, you know, it's an exciting time, right? Because it's like, what could this thing be? Right? Yeah. And it's, um, anyway, I've also had a, you know, great set of friends there. So actually I met one of my co-founders, uh, ah. okay. in Solora. So yeah, it's, it was, it was really this experience in Drago that sort of like, again, reinstilled the grind that you need yep. to get things started, like ending at 3 a.m., going back the next day and just, you know, giving it your all. It's like, again, you really felt like the company depended on it. Yeah. And, and, and the hustle that it takes to go from zero to one, it's, it's, it's life-changing because now you understand that, ah, okay, big companies, pala, they need, they didn't, they weren't born out of nothing that they're just big right away. That, it was built with blood, sweat, and tears. And if for you to witness and not just witness, participate actively on that that role that will set you up for life because when it's now your turn though you're really you can never really prepare when it's your turn but at least you have a glimpse of what those things are and i want to now understand from your point of view especially during entrego because as a startup evolves there's different sets of skill sets and people and people come and go right you know how it is attrition in startups is again it will eat you up and spit you up alive right that's the nature yeah. of the beast. I'm sorry, right? That, uh, but those skills are life-changing because, again, what you learn in a startup, so if you're listening to this and you're just considering, hey, can I, should I join a startup or should I create your own? I suggest, and this is just my two cents now, knowing what I know, if you, are, if you don't have any experience doing a startup, join one first. So you understand. You're not just spectating from afar. You need to put your own blood, sweat, and tears. And I want to know what what those blood, sweat, and tears meant for you when you joined. Because you started from day zero with a piece of paper. 
what were you actively doing to really get that done? Just paint that picture for us. How different was it from day zero all the way to when you left as a retail SaaS sales manager? Hmm. I think um, it's sort of like paint the picture of like how different zero to one is from one to 100. Yes. Um, you know, like zero to one is exciting because it's, it's very creative. Yep. Um, it's, yeah, it's like the world, the world's your oyster. You have so many possibilities out there. What, 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 where is this going to go? So mm-hmm. that, that was sort of like the, the experience of just, you know, hustling and, and, you know, just churning out new stuff, setting the foundation. And basically, I think second half, you know, you saw more of like the one to 100. And yeah. in a way, you need different sets of people for both. Correct. Sides, right. And for the one to 100, it's more about, you know, like optimizing stuff, managing it, sort of just going through the motions in a way. Yep. So I think like that, that was sort of like the, the difference I saw. Um, I think in a way it's, it's different when I guess you have a level of ownership over the company Yeah. to sort of like, whether you have stock options or not. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, which sort of determines your one to 100, the zero to one will always be exciting and will always sort of like, you know, get you hooked. If you're, if you're that type of person, right. If you're that type of person, like the pioneer who likes to be in the the forefront, like zero to one is always going to be exciting. But the one to one hundred, like it takes that that level of you know I'm bought in, I have skin in the game. That'll sort of tell you whether you're gonna last there or not, right? And I think that's like sort of like my experience. I didn't I didn't have I didn't have options, so I didn't like. Of course, I had this emotional attachment in a way because of course you, it's like your baby. Like it's like it was my quote unquote one of my first babies. So. So I was like, that's, that's sort of difficult, you know, emotionally I'm attached, but financially not really attached. So, you know, I guess that's sort of like, the but let's talk about the hard skills real quick. Mm-hmm. So you went from zero to one, you started from analyst to senior analyst to enterprise solution and implementations manager to retail SaaS manager. How did that, uh, those skill sets evolve uh, in order to do that? Because again, in a startup, Promotions are, especially if you're doing well, which most startups will never get to see the light of. <laughs> that's why it's important that you also got into a uh, a well-run startup, because most startups don't even get past zero to one, right? They they're dead in the water, and that's okay. That's normal, by the way. Uh, if if you're if you're startup struggling right now, that's fine. Every one of us had to go through that that too, right? But it takes a special type of founding team led by an amazing founder to get to year two, year three, year four, right? Because most startups don't even make it there. What was those um, skills you had to learn and evolve in terms of your role before you decided to really uh, jump ship and go to the other startups that you've been to? Yeah. I think especially with a, you know, operations heavy company like Entrego, uh, fulfillment and logistics, I think the, biggest skill I learned working in that company is, you know, how to be process oriented, you know, making swim lane process charts and just really seeing how are all these moving parts working together. Right. And I think, you know, that's something that I applied the most 
you know, enterprise solutions and implementations. I literally had to make all the SOPs or standard operating procedures. Were for, you spoon you know, fed or like you had to do that on your own? It was, it was like, do it on your own. Like I was handling sort of like the entire onboarding process by myself. I didn't have a team. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely, again, the grind. Like imagine having to type <laughs> out step by step, literally from handover from this person to the next person, to scanning it, tagging it, like writing that all down and, you know, doing it for each client. Each client's different, right? So this enterprise, it's a, it's a customized solution. Yep. And, you know, that's the first part, laying out the process second part is communicating the process yeah right it's being able to tell okay this is how this how let's say this how the wants it this is how Trego wants it this is a solution we come up with in the middle now it's about telling each and every stakeholder there hey this is your part in the in the machine right this is where you will contribute to this this company and you know it's there are two different skill sets i think like being very process oriented right sort of just on laying things out and then communicating it to stakeholders. I think those are like, in a way, you know, some of the crucial skills that I'm applying now and on, right? Like for us, like one of our key values is like being very process oriented. And the reason why is one thing that I learned being very process oriented is the process gives you an objective argument, right? When things don't go as planned, which they always do, it becomes a question of, okay, where, which step of the process did you mess up? And second, how can we improve this process, right? Right. If there's a step there that everyone's messing up in, maybe it's not the it's not the people. It's the it's the process that we need to fix. So I think that's sort of like you know one of the biggest skills I learned in Trego. That's also what I applied to the you know retail SaaS uh, team. It's basically just you know how do we make sales a repeatable process, right? Because Sales at the end of the day, it's a numbers game, right? You you start with your top line, and then it's all about percentages of how many people move down the funnel. So as long as it's clear and you sort of know, okay, where am I falling out on that funnel? You know, again, you're able to optimize that process. So yeah, I think being very process oriented is something that I learned in Intrego and something that I'm applying to today. All right, now let's take our first break. And when we come back, let's talk about how you then jumped into your next few startups before you decided to create Odd and your co-founder and CEO. Let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey guys, I have a very, very exciting opportunity I want to share with you guys. If you're a B2B startup founder, listen up. 
your ticket to growth is here. Introducing Impact 24, the Philippines' largest B2B SaaS challenge. Calling all startups in their pre-launch, pre-seed, or seed stages. This is your chance to accelerate their growth. Submit your pitch to Impact 24 and get ready for a 10-week intensive program to elevate your solution. What's in it for you? How about up to 500,000 pesos in MVP project support, exclusive credits from industry partners, personalized mentoring, and a shot to pitch at SASCON PH, the country's biggest SAS conference this April. But yo, you gotta hurry up because submissions close on January 26, 2024 already. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your startup to new heights. Apply now at saschallenge.ph. That's saschallenge.ph. And good luck and I'll see you guys in Impact 24. And we're back from a break. We're still with Ando Ramos again, who then told us how he was able to evolve and hustle his way and really learn new skills uh, as we went. Now, after Entrego, you you did Project Paraiso and also worked in Grab um, and Select. Can you talk about those three things real quick before you decided to create Odd? Yeah. So I think uh, you know, Project for ESO is my, my first venture, natural mm. venture, my first business. Right. Um, and it, it really stems from the fact that I think I'm a very passionate individual. So passion is actually like a Zalora value. That's the reason why I signed with Zalora. I love, go. I love clothes. I love thinking about what we're going to wear. <laughs> you know, and um, I think the one thing that, uh, you know, really want, like drew me into it was, you know, men's passion, like, not much options out there. And it's sort of like either on one side, super conservative or on the other side, too loud. Yep. And for me, it was like trying to design something that, you know, you could be, you know, conservative with and sort of show off as well. And using punks like fabric that felt good, made sense and sort of had a purpose. So that's why for me, it was like, you know, making beach polos, you know, given that you know, Philippines has great beaches using a uh, fabric that was quick drying, sand repellent, and wash and wear. Because it's humid as hell right now. That's <laughs> <laughs> humid, my God. It's actually yeah. the shirt I'm wearing right now. So Woo, there you go, there you go. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, even the, the fabric. So we used indigenous fabric. Um, so we used from uh, Basilan and wow. Marawi. So we wow. made both polos and headbands. Unfortunately, though, like when we were supposed to launch the pandemic hit, and so like all those uh, you know like plans of like doing shoots in the beach didn't really pan out and then yeah so that was that was for so that's my you know first online business and then select uh express is actually something i was uh, working on with uh you know one of my high school barcadas you know top top five people in your life so like uh ryan abyss nice. and it was during the pandemic and sort of like the whole idea behind it was you just wanted to aggregate like as many same day delivery APIs as you could, mm-hmm. put them into you know a single API. Uh, I think like so like sort of inspiration here would be like first like Luis doing a PayMongo, you know, aggregating payments. I was like, hey, why don't we aggregate logistics? So nice. um, we definitely tried it out. You know, worked on a couple of stuff. Didn't really get much traction. Mm-hmm. So yeah, sort of had to drop it a bit. Um, and actually. 
I, I tried reviving it with uh, actually one of my co-founders, uh, Adi, uh, Dark yeah. Kumar. Uh, so he, you know, he tried, basically we, it's one of our first things we were working on together, but again, it's sort of like, well, how it's involved the odds, you know, yeah. in a way, instead of aggregating same day delivery aggregators, now we're aggregating on-demand sales channels. Got so, it. yeah, I think that was select and then working for Grab, um, it's actually pretty short stint, okay. except for a, like a quarter. Yeah. Um, so I think perspective there was just, you know, odd was already in it. Odd already started. Mm. Right. And I think, you know, when, once an opportunity like sort of is staring you in the face, sort of like, you know, because I meant, I meant just to give you a perspective, like for the first month of odd, um, I just literally sold a couple of brands from basically a small space in Luis's house in San Lo. And it, without any marketing, we were getting like 250,000 investment in sales wow. for the first month. Wow. And that's sort of like what's staring me in the face while working in Grab. And I think, you know, like there's, there's, this, there's this itch, right, that I, I feel internally. And I was staying with Luis back then. So like he, there was an external itch telling me to just, you know, do it. <laughs> This is your shot, you know. This, this is this. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta go for it. And I think that's what you know. You know, my synth and grab. Like, of course, like I learned a lot of things there uh, as far as the merchant analytics team. So, like, I was setting up promos on for merchant grab food, grab mart, grab express. So I really sort of learned how um, you know, you know, grab thought about promos. What were the metrics that mattered? And you know, it was it was a learning experience. Uh, I wish. Maybe it, I, I would have done it a bit earlier, um, given that it just coincided with, with the birth of odds. So, yeah. That's amazing. But a couple of things here uh, before we talk about odd full on uh, for the rest of the episode. So Project Paraiso and Select, right? These are your first attempts at the, your startup. And given that you've already seen how it is like uh, doing zero to one, it's absolutely fucking different when it's in your, it's you now doing the zero to one. And I would imagine this can be heartbreaking like, because everybody comes to a business thinking that, shit, I'm going to make it. This whole grand plan that I've had in my head would be like, uh, it's just going to happen naturally and I'm not going to get hit by these things. But obviously, that's not what happened. What, what are those things that, in hindsight, you you now see that okay it didn't what are uh, it didn't work with project Paradiso as much and especially with select right that you wish you could have done differently that I, obviously you you've you gone to work with odd now yeah um I think in general it was my approach to the business okay um uh, I like to quote uh you know Jim Collins actually uh, had a good he had a good um uh perspective on you know you want to be a clock builder you don't you don't want to be a time teller i think for those business i was was like a time teller in the sense that i wanted to do all the work um it was me sort of you know trying to save costs and being like oh i can do it myself i'll do it myself you know instead of like um and luis luis uh like has a good 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 line of like you know in in the corporate world your your job or your goal is to make yourself indispensable 
Correct. In entrepreneurship, your goal is to make yourself obsolete, right? Yeah. In the sense that you get other people to yep. help you with what you're doing, to take on the work. So I think that was my main mistake with, with the two. It's really, I wasn't in the, you know, the clock building, getting other people to help me run this uh-huh. thing. I was more into like time telling in the sense that, again, it was just me and trying to make myself indispensable. Right. So, I mean, of course, I had co-founders, right? Like, um, well, Project Perry is like a, as a relationship and then my Ryan for Select. But, you know, in general, you know, I think if we were able to get a team behind it, um, you know, who knows? But yeah, I think that's sort of like what I learned from those two experiences. It's like, you know, you can't do everything yourself. People are better than you in yep. so many ways. Like we have different skill sets. It's about creating the right team that complements each other, you know, builds on each other. So, yeah, I think that's what I could have done better. And and, and that just doesn't happen um, in a corporate environment too, because especially in corporate, as you go up the ladder, you kind of have to also think like an entrepreneur because you can be the one holding your whole team back by being. Mm-hmm. It's me, me, me. I'll do all the hard work. I'm the martyr here. I'm the hero. But in reality, you're fucking your whole team up because you're not giving an equal distribution to everybody. And then when shit hits the fan, you're going to play the pity game. Like, oh, I'm dying. Blah, blah, blah. You know, um, which in reality, it was your fault all along. Right? Yeah. Um, because, of course, no founder would come in and say, hey, do all the work. <laughs> that's just absolutely yeah, crazy nah, nah. you gotta be like let's dish this out and let's make the, yeah. the water flow downstream and as you yeah. I'm pretty sure you've seen this in an entrego where it came from cons and the management team there's a one down now all of a sudden you have multiple layers that that water still needs to flow all the way down and majority yeah. of the time the problem point happens where someone wants to play the time teller game instead of clock building mm. because he's the one Clogging all the water and saying, hey, I'll do all of this shit. And then everybody else mm-hmm. downstream is fucked up, right? But last last thing before we now talk about that. Because most startup founders or most first-time entrepreneurs just, uh, you know, quit after their first failure. And let's talk about the, the human side of this. Because failure, whatever that degree might be, is doubt is the biggest enemy here. Right, when especially when things aren't going well, you know, resources are scarce, and you know, all these other things start to creep in. You're tired, you're you're burnt out, whatever that is. It's hard to bounce back, and most people will be like, Oh, I don't this nothing. How did you bounce back for that? And also walk us through the dark shit you had to freaking overcome. Because all of us entrepreneurs had to go through dark shit. What was that like for you? Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think dealing with the the dark shit first. I think definitely like you know each time your bis- a business doesn't go as planned, it's you know you can't help but sort of like feel like you know this is a failure. I'm a failure, right? In the sense that um, you know you always it's like it's like this. You can get into this like endless loop of like all the mistakes you did. Yeah. And you're like why why didn't why why did I make that choice right? Why 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 did why did I why didn't I uh, go the other route? And it, it's really, you know, it gets unhealthy, I think. But, you know, once you take things personally, especially against yourself, um, it, it, 
it's something that you know takes a lot of effort to overcome um and of course like you know it, it takes time and for me what really helps is you know hanging out with my friends yeah you know, like again like i think that's the that's the one thing that really sort of like allowed me to bounce back quickly um of course seeing seeing them do their thing build the their right friends at the right friends and again like it's also seeing them struggle yeah. right it's seeing them um you know you know sort of like figure things out as well and you know be open to sort of like bouncing ideas because you know they need a breakthrough like I think that was sort of like what helped me because it made it a whole lot more human, right? Again, like what you see on LinkedIn, what you see on social media. That's a highlight reel, All the success. (laughs) It's a highlight reel. Like, don't believe that. Like, this guy did not have it figured out if they want. He's still figuring it out right now. You know, and and I think it's when when you sort of be real with yourself that, okay, you know, it's good to doubt the idea, I think. Like, you know, it, it allows you to sort of like, iterate and sort of improve on it but it's the self-doubt that's debilitating right yep. so i think that's sort of like what i what i was sort of learning it's like um doubt will always be there right yeah. doubt will always be there it's i don't like unless you you know reach i don't know, nirvana or something you're not you're not you're never <laughs> just gonna not doubt but i think it's more of like channeling the doubt more towards what you're doing mm-hmm versus channeling it to who you are correct right because because like you know who you are that's something that in a way you need to be friends with right you can't you can't be a you can't be like a consultant to yourself like oh this is where you're you know this is wrong this is where you've messed up you know you do that to your business you you start doing that to yourself it's you know it just it actually affects the business right right? because you don't have the confidence to do the things you need to do you don't you know, you don't see if you don't think you can do it, then definitely you can't do it, right? Because going into it, you're already thinking of like how it's gonna go wrong, and in a way, you're you're hesitant, you're not as uh, decisive, and yeah. yeah, I think like the dark place is is real, like, mm-hmm. and if anyone here is listening is in that dark place, reach out to your friends, like, especially yes. the right friends, because again, these are your these are these are this is your support system right and it's a support system that gets you out of that dark place and into the light right and i think with that support system it's really looking for people that are in touch with their own suffering right they're not pretending to you know be perfect and have everything figured out because it's in those safe spaces that you can do the real problem solving right it's when you acknowledge okay this is where I fucked up. How do you make it better? Sure. Right. So I think that's what's important. It's, and if you don't have that, no set, set of friends, uh, there are a lot of under, uh, uh, trust me, probably 80, 90% of the people that I've had here on Hustle Share are going to be more than willing, even if you're a random person that you don't even know, even me, reach out. Because again, it's, there's something about suffering in startups that just binds us all under one umbrella. That holy shit, I just I can see in your eyes that you've suffered like me, my man. <laughs> it's like, oh, you 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 know what you know how that feels, right? Um, and there's just something about getting help 
and the the big the best founders understand that you cannot do it all and the best founders the best leaders also ask for help you need to get over that hump that oh shit i can do this no dude if if shit hits the fan first thing you need to do is breathe and then ask for help because there's no amount of overthinking that can actually get out of you that dark place and again the light will come from the feedback of people that have suffered like you before <laughs> and look at yeah. it now like shit we 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 you know you, you realize that you know some days it's just really dark and eventually it will get better but and the solution sometimes is sometimes emotional it's and sometimes it's tactical and that's why you need people that you can bounce things off of because if not your head is going to be an echo chamber and it's just going to put you into another downward spiral into an endless abyss right there mm-hmm. and lastly last thing before we just say that i'm very passionate about things because i just literally got off of a dark phase too Startups technically is like boxing, right? The and you need to be prepared um, for a slugfest, a twelve rounder going to a decision. So what that means is that you're gonna have to be to, to get used to getting punched in the face. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. the game right there. Mm-hmm. You need to learn how mm-hmm. to get punched in the face because majority of the game plan you thought it would happen is not going to happen. You're going to get punched nah. in the face. In the <laughs> gut, you're probably even going to get a low blow. But guess what? Every single time you get knocked down, you need to figure out how to get back up and still throw punches to try to give yourself a chance to win. It's brutal. <laughs> brutal. It's brutal. Amen. Holy shit. Amen but on a Sunday. That's the game. <laughs> Amen on a fucking Sunday right there. Amen but okay, on a Sunday. You managed to bounce back and now gave it another shot and it looks like it's doing really well with Odd. How did you try to bounce back and come up with the Odd ID and what are the things you did right this time? Hmm. Yeah. So I think, um, yeah, I think with, the, with, the, with Odd, it was really just, you know, getting started. Like, again, like just, Again, for the first odd store, it's all about first getting the brand, right? Okay. Getting the sales channel, sending up mm-hmm. a grab, food panda, and creating a system between the two, right? Supply and demand. And, you know, once it starts running, I think what really helped me this time was really focusing on the team, right? And that's like one of the biggest advices that Louise had with me was like, Pick your co-founders like you're picking your wife. Yes. Because these are these are people that you're gonna deal with, you're gonna argue with, you're gonna, <laughs> you know, and I, I'm at, at the, the, today I live with my co-founders, so I know them, you know, and like I'm at, I know them and to tell. all their quirks and, and shit. Uh-huh. Exactly, exactly. All the good, all the bad, all the good. So <laughs> I think that's what I definitely want to focus on. That's why you know. You know, started thinking like, what, what, is, what, are, who are the people that I need to start off? You know, get this thing together. So, who are those and for you? So, you know, definitely like, um, it was like Gab. So, Gab, you know, I'm, again, I met him in Delora. You know, he, I, I've knowing his experience. He, he's a great planner. Like, I meant like in terms of you know setting up you know financial models, 
nice. um, you know, really looking into the numbers of, okay, you know, of course, like plans don't always go as, as planned, but having a plan is still better than having no plan, you yeah. know, and it's really that plan that, you know, sort of like centers and at least, you know, makes clear, like, what are the, you know, the levers that you can pull, you know, when things are uh, going wrong or going right. And, you know, I think that was sort of like, uh, you know, the first thing was like really finding, you know, someone can really help on the operation side, planning it out, the finance. Um, so yeah, definitely Gab was, you know, a huge addition to the team. And of course I worked with them before. So, you know, I knew, I knew the, the chemistry we had. There you go. Yeah. The chemistry was there. And uh, you know, when, when I, when I talk to him, give you like a, a perspective on his drive. Like, you know, when I, when I reached out to Gab, he was doing three things. I got a full-time Ooh. job. He, he was consulting for a company and he was taking an MBA. What? So this guy, this guy had like, like so much energy. I guess he a was like, <laughs> he, he, he's kind of sick in the head, but in a good way, you know, it's like, I like that type of crazy. You know? uh, you're you know? kidding, Gab. You know? I've never met you, but that's a good kind of sick. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, you know, it's like, um, you know, it's, it's what you need. It's like people will compliment you, but also match your energy. Yeah. You know, at the same time. So, you know, that's also what you look for with, with Addy. Uh, so actually the backstory with Addy is I, I met him in LU. So we oh, were wow. both soul searching there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he was still working for, for Sendit. And, oh. you know, it's, you know, yeah, he was working for Sendit. And he, you know, for us, it was like, first it was a friendship. Like, you know, like, you know, with bike in the morning, of course, the party at night. And, you know, it's like, I, I knew Addy was a, a really nice guy. Yeah. Like, I, like I really felt it. And, you know, the thing with him was he was also very disciplined. Like, for me, like, the thing with Addy was, like, the first time I saw him versus the second time I saw him, completely different person. Because in, like, a span of three months, this guy lost 80 pounds. Like he was a car, like he was working out every day, you know, like it's precisely work, workout, work, workout. And it was like, you know, it was like that, again, that energy that, yeah. that, that he brought in and he was, he's such a, he's such a talented developer. Mm-hmm. So up until today, all the tech that we have here at Odd is built by Addy. And, yeah. you know, I think it's, it's, it's a mixture again of the, of the skill set and the energy that you look for, right? You need people that, you know, of course, they're different from you, right? But they're same, same in, in, in a way, you know, in a, same, same, but different. Gotcha. Right? I guess that's what you want to look for. You want to look for people that sort of, you know, can, <laughs> can grind with you, you know, can sort of pick, you know, keep up with the pace, but at the same time, look at things differently, gotcha. right? Because you can't have the, again, as you mentioned, echo chamber. If your founding team is an echo chamber. And a wrong team, my man, right there. It's a wrong team, man, because yep. it's going to be like, Okay, just just going one direction. You're not questioning that direction. Yeah. You don't know the blind side, so exactly. All right, now let's take our last break, and when we come back, let's talk about how you then got to iterative and how you got traction and what's next for odd. Let's talk about that more after the break. Hey, hustlers! It's time to talk business once again, and we're excited to share a bit more info about our sponsors, Sprout Solutions. And again, just like what I said at the start of the episode, you should check out Sprout's Payroll Starter as you grow your own startup, because this bundle that they have is literally what you need to take your startup to the next level as you grow your employees. 
And this bundle is your key to freedom, including payroll outsourcing to experts, a subscription to timekeeping and attendance software, and government compliance services. Sprouts Payroll Starter has you covered for payroll, BIR, SSS, and taxes. All the stuff that no founder loves to do. So let Sprout handle the busy work and say goodbye to lines and tax payment stress. All this for as low as 5,000 pesos. Again, that's just 5,000 pesos all in for your payroll in HR needs. So visit sprout.eh payroll-starter-monthly-5k or again, just click the link in the description box of this episode to elevate your business management game. And again, big thank you to Sprout Solutions liberating your time for what truly matters. Hey hustlers, wish there was an easy way to open a bank account and grow your money without the hassle of lengthy application process and income documents? Well, I got good news because today's sponsor, Uno Digital Bank, is here to help you achieve your financial goals. You can easily open an account with the Uno app in just five minutes and one valid ID. And as one of the six digital banks licensed by the Banco Central ng Filipinas, the company is committed to providing customers with simpler, better, and more accessible banking. Last year, Uno Bank was recognized by the Asia Banking and Finance Awards and bagged the title Open Banking Initiative of the Year due to the success of its partnership with Gcash, one of the Philippines' leading mobile wallet platforms. And with the Uno mobile app, you can access an hashtag UnoReady savings account and enjoy daily interest crediting. With their hashtag UnoEarn or hashtag UnoBoost time deposit accounts, you can enjoy a high interest rate of up to 6.5% per annum. Enjoy monthly payouts with hashtag UnoEarn and flexible tenors with hashtag UnoBoost. Other app features include pay bills, the Uno Virtual Debit MasterCard, life insurance, scan and pay with QRPH, and phones. And the one thing that I really love about Uno Digital Bank is they're open to collaborate with a lot of Filipino startups. I've had a chance to see the partnerships that they've had lined up with the startups that they have, and it's truly exciting to see how a digital bank like Uno can enable startups to unlock the power of fintech through digital banking. So if you're ready to elevate your banking experience, download the Uno mobile app today from the Google Play Store or App Store. Or if you want to collaborate with them, I'll be happy to give you an intro. Just shoot us an email at hello at huffleshare.com. Hey, hustlers, I hope you're having a great 2024 so far. As you know, a lot of startups had a very challenging 2023, and hopefully things are going to do better this year for a lot of us. Not just because it's the year of the dragon, but also because our sponsor, Dragon Pay, is here to help your startups process payments in the most efficient way. Established in 2010, Dragon Pay empowers businesses of all sizes to accept and disperse payments through secure and convenient channels, giving your customers the flexibility to choose the payment method that suits them best. With over 85 partner channels, 35,000 partner branches nationwide, including QRPH, e-wallets, crypto, buy now, pay later, and many more. They also process an astonishing 15 million transactions processed globally each month. Dragon Pay is your trusted choice for online payments. And here's something to show you how legit Dragon Pay is. Dragon Pay was named FinTech of the Year at last year's Philippine FinTech Festival in 2020. So let's make 2024 extra prosperous for you and your startup in this year of the Dragon. For more details, head on over to dragonpay.ph. That's dragonpay.ph. Trust the pioneer, trust Dragon Pay.
and we're back in the break. We are still with Ando, uh, who then told us how he was now able to find the right team of sickos like him. <laughs> no, just kidding. But of, of people who <laughs> yeah, match the energy, who see the same North Star that will argue, but it's for the same winning uh, you know, mindset. Right? You're trying to win together, not to one-up each other. Like, hey, I'm better than you, whatnot. Because that's already a recipe for disaster. If your team is just trying to prove who's better than each other. You can argue as long as you are trying to get to the same winning outcome where everybody wins. Because again, as much as startups is a slugfest, it's a, it's a royal rumble because it's a team sport. <laughs> <laughs> right, you gotta when somebody gets knocked down, you gotta freaking put that guy up and cover him, right? Yeah, because it's it's a team sport. So for you guys, how, what what are the things you got uh, rolling, especially with with your traction uh, as, as as you really got into a program like Eternity? So I think you know in terms of our, of our traction, I think um, I guess what really allowed us to expand. Mm-hmm. Um, was you know when we really looked into franchising, right? Because in a way, franchising, you know, it's, it's not new. Like you know, yeah. so many franchisable businesses out there, and you know the beauty of it is with franchising, you actually make money every time you launch a location. Yep. Versus let's say you know the asset-heavy, you know, type of quick commerce where everywhere else you put out tendency is we're gonna lose money. Gotcha. Right? So I think that was what sort of was our main ingredient in terms of expansion. And I think the, what really helped was when, when I was looking back at like, why did I even start odd in the first place? You know, why did I put up the odd store? It was really because one, I wanted more money, right? Yeah. It was the pandemic, pandemic is <laughs> hard. The businesses I tried did not work. So I was like, hey, I need to make more money. Gotcha. How I was able to you know make more money was the fact that there was some extra space lying around where I could just put these goods and have you know POS devices for the sales channel. And I think that like you know when you mix the two, when it's like okay, I want to franchise this business, and at the same time you know sort of leaning into you know a lot of people shared the same problems that I had starting the offer, right? I wanted to start a business because I wanted more money. They have extra space. And now it's all about how can you make that process as easy as possible, right? How do we make it a quick business, right? Because I mean, everyone I think out there wants a business. Like who doesn't want a business, right? But at the same time, you know, just thinking about first, what are you going to sell, right? That's, that's hard. And then thinking about like, how am I going to sell it? That's another step. It's another process you need to do. For us, it's like, what do you what 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 do you want to sell? We have a hundred plus brands that you can choose from, right? So you don't even need to work with these suppliers orders on the system. You know, where do you want to sell? You set you up on three sales channels, right? And you basically you can earn through all three. And we just launched our odd app. So now you can even promote yourself actively on social media. So I think again it's 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 just in terms of attraction, it's like being able to, you know, franchise, being able to you know, really lead into people wanting more income and, you know, sort of creating a system that made that whole process a whole lot easier. And that's sort of like what allowed us to reach, you know, 70 locations uh, as of this point. 
And, you know, we're covering greater Manila area right now, but we've launched in, in provinces as well. So now we have altars in Laguna, Bulacan, Pampanga, and even Avaycija. So it's, it's, I think that like, those key ingredients that sort of like really allowed us to, you know, scale the way we, we, we have and, you know, continue to do as well. That's amazing. Now, well, I, but the franchising model is very old school. And I, you know how it is in, in franchisees, like a franchisor? What's a fran- franchisee is the one that franchises, right? Yeah. Uh, franchisees. It's in the hype game, right? They, they're in the hype game. I want to I know how you convince your first few franchisees uh, to really take, take that leap. Uh, because again, at the end of the day, this we're talking about money as well, right? They're investing in your brand and relying on you to give them not just supply, but also you're you're they're they're a sitting duck. And if they if if no demand comes in for the supply that they got from you, you're stuck with that shit. How were you able to convince um, these, these these franchisers or franchisees that? Um, to, to take that risk. It is always the challenge, right? At the, at the very start. Yeah. So definitely, I think the one thing that works with franchisees is just showing them the numbers, you know? And I think that's really what, um, you know, having company-owned odd stores gives you, right? You know, so we do have stores that we own ourselves. Um, so that's like, like Jollibee. There you go. Just like Jollibee, right? Just like Jollibee, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, every franchising this out there is a mix of company-owned and franchise stores. So we started definitely with company-owned. And it's really when we were able to show like, hey, OddStars average 5,000 pesos in profit per square meter per month. What? Right? That, that quick number, right? That's when you think, okay, how much space do I have? How much square meters of space do I have? Right? Or do you have Ronster, right? Think about it. Ronster, like how much space do you have available? I'm thinking about it. Think about it. Yeah, maybe you want an odd store. I think you could use an odd store. Who and I, I, cover, <laughs> I live in a place where you're not there yet, by the way. I, I'm looking at there it. There we so. go. That's, uh, so, yeah, Attraction right time, here in Hustle. Exactly. <laughs> Always pitching, right? You really need that hustle. You know, hustle yeah. on the hustle share. Yeah, but I want to understand what's that like? So, if 5,000 per square, what's the minimum buy? Right, because you can't. There's a standard that you have to do. These are reputable brands that you're gonna to have to carry. You can't just uh, put them in a random ditch or a random farm where it's all gonna be mud and shit, yeah. right? So, what's a minimum yeah. investment that you look for from a franchisee, and what are the standards you kind of gonna to have to tick in terms of the checklist to make sure that it's the right fit? Yeah. So, I think. Definitely for you know the minimum investment, currently it's twenty five thousand pesos. What? Uh, minimum investment, yeah, and that's purely inventory. Like, okay. that's your inventory budget. So, I mean, if you think about it, what are what are your other setup costs? It's at home, so you're not spending on rent, or you're already spending on rent, like with or without the business. Manpower could be you, so you, know, you don't even need to spend on that. So, for us, setup cost is just inventory. And, you know, in terms of the standards, for us, that's something we take, you know, very, very seriously. I think coming from fulfillment, right, like, that's something that uh, we look into. And that's why for us, we have weekly recurring training sessions for franchisees where they can just hop in or hop out, um, you know, if they have any questions. Um, in terms of screening, 
course, you know, garbage in, garbage out. So we need to screen all our franchisees. So uh, personally, yep. I, I, I interview all of them. Like okay. Each and every franchisee I interview. I have odds, like, that's why I'm used to working on a Sunday. I have odds for interviews seven days a week. Okay. So, like, it's, it's really, you know, sort of like getting to know the person, right? You know, knowing if they have business experience, uh, you know, checking out, like, what they've done in the past. Uh, they have plans and, like, how they actually want to grow the store. You know, these are easy indicators, I think, or qualitative indicators where you can sort of like see, okay, is this person serious, right? Because that's in a way you're 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 not investing in the space; you're investing in the person. But as a franchisor, it's like you're you're not picking this person because of where they live; you're picking this person because of who they are. And like once you're able to sort of have an idea of you know or like general feel of that, I think it it helps. And yeah, in terms of again training, it's just making sure they always have that, you know, these training sessions to just go back to where, okay, in terms of storing it on a dry location, like how do you actually do that? Right? How do you set up your chiller in such a way that you don't contaminate other goods? How do you set up your freezer in such a way that again you don't mix the say the vegan stuff with the steak? So, you know, it's that again, like, you know, screening people who get in and of, of course like a constant uh training mechanism that sort of helps them continue as they go along. Got it. Now let's talk about demand. Because again, now people are sitting with these supplies, right? Mm-hmm. Random tapa or tocino in their uh, in their fridge all of a sudden that hey, it's just sitting there. But somebody's got to buy that shit and they, they don't have the ability to flip that directly, right? Yeah. And they have to rely on odds. Through your distribution channels, which again we'll, we'll, we'll uh, run down later. But how do you make sure that constant flow of business, that that uh, that turnover, especially if it this is buy and sell, this is old school buy and sell done mm-hmm. in a twenty first I mean twenty first century technically, right? But how are you able to make sure that your franchisees are not just stuck with perishable goods wherever they are uh, to get yes. that done? Yeah, so I think it's definitely a balance between investing in our franchisees and empowering them to invest in themselves. Okay. So I think with like investing in franchisees, that's why we you know we have odd marketing support. So for example, again, three sales channels we have are Grab, Food Panda, and the Odd App. And right. what we do is we actually you know buy these marketing packages on these platforms. So Grab and Food Panda. Uh, I think last year we were like one of the top spenders on on Grab. Uh, and of course, that was what I used to do before, right? I used to set up these yeah. promos. So you so know the game. Sort of like, I know the game. So I know which ones to go for, you know? I'm like, okay, we're going to go for this one. And yeah. I think, like, definitely that shows, like, our franchisees, like, you know, the only way we win is if you win. Right? Gotcha. That's actually, that's the thing about our business. Like, we are, you know, we need our franchisees to succeed for odds of succeed. And, you know, when, you know, spending on marketing is one thing. Um, but, you know, for us, it's also about, you know, how, how can we empower them to win? And that's why, for example, we empower them to, you know, really, you know, sell or market their store by the odd app, right? Okay. So uh, basically, like, the odd app, the way we designed it, it's more like Shopify in the sense that, you know, franchisees can actually basically promote their store on social media. They can oh. send a store link, category link, product link, et cetera, and even provide them with marketing collateral that they can share. So we, we have collaterals on a store level where, you know, each store actually have this, has their own unique collaterals. 
we have collaterals on a category level. Let's say if a franchisee wants to promote beef or steaks or sweets. And yeah, basically putting those two together, basically the tools um, to really, you know, promote their store and also like the collaterals that, you know, make it enticing for customers to actually like, you know, click that by now. Um, you know, it's, it's how we like empower them to sort of invest in themselves. Because, you know, they also need to do part of the marketing, right? Right. right? Of course, we do it ourselves. We, we, we spend on these promo packages, but again, it's a relationship. And, you know, if, you know, the franchisees are empowered to market themselves, then for us, you know, that's, that's organic growth, right? Because it's that's them nice. pushing their source now. Right. Especially if you need Toyo in the middle of the night, you know, that, that's, that's, a, that's a horror what? story. We try to talk about Toyo. Right? Like, how? How can we do this? But I want to now understand. Metrics wise, because again, especially if you got to iterative, man, Sukan would try to hustle you to make sure that that week on week growth is where it's supposed to be, right? Walk, walk us through how you got into iterative and how you done then accelerated your traction. Because this is a marketplace, obviously, it's a supply and demand game. You can't, you can't yeah. lean into one thing only and not do the other, it has to be yeah. balanced as much as possible. Right and growing. How did you then get into iter- iterative, and how did you scale that that wow or that mom that M O M that that uh, everybody uh, is scaling for? Yeah. Um, so how we got in. Um, so shout out David Marquez. There you so, go, shipmates. Uh, hey, yeah, shipmates. They Devo. they they, they, they help recommend, and uh-huh. definitely that really just kickstarted like the whole process. Gotcha. Um, and you know, you know, in terms of getting in, like, if you just saw the the pitch deck we had going into the program versus the pitch deck that we had going out of the program, it was completely different. I think it's like a third or a fourth the length. Gotcha. Like, I remember, like, the first iteration of odd pitch deck, I had spent like 20, 25 minutes of going through it. So, it's, yeah, I think just getting in, I already felt. You know, Chuken's uh, feedback, Brian's feedback. So yep. I think that's what sort of like, um, you know, got me hooked to the program. It's like, okay, these people are, again, the people I look for. Oh, they're OGs. They argue. <laughs> exactly. The OG, it's like they, they, will, they will not hold their feedback back. They will say what uh-huh. they feel, but it's about the idea. Yep. Right. And that's what's important. So, you know, during the program, I think, you know, they challenged a lot of our assumptions. Um, in terms of like, you know, how we wanted to approach the business. And, you know, I think in terms of what, I mean, you mentioned supply and demand, right? Um, for us, I think what they, they really, you know, drill down on is, okay, focus on supply first, right? And I think that's what we focus on, actually like expanding the locations, yep. right? Because I think the insight is with at least the approach that we're going to of like franchises promoting themselves, when you increase supply, then demand will increase itself. Because basically, right. again, you expanded your geographical coverage, you're serving more customers, and now, again, they also have like, pushed us to build the odd app, which we're providing tools for these franchises to actually you know, reach more customers. So I think that was sort of like the, the main insight there. And the reason why, you know, going into the program, we had 19 locations. Going out of the program, during demo day, I think we had like 65 locations. So we literally 3x the number of locations that we have during the program. And 
I think that was sort of like the, uh, I guess the catalyst to, you know, what odd is today. It's yes. really just focusing on franchisees. Of course, we focus on consumers as well. But I think in terms of stakeholders that we really, you know, um, drill down on the most, it's really our franchisees and how can we empower them to be better businesses, That's right? Because a- once they're an empowered business, then the B2C side, in a way, it's shared, right? It's no longer just us, you know, running the B2C. It's now us with our franchisees. Got it. Now, walk us through after iterative, right? So now they talk, talk to you about this. What was that experience like? Just again, demo day and it's a whole new world. They're actually, Suken and Brian will probably just, it's, it's just practicing you for the real world out there. It's, it's tough, man. It's, 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 it's tough, but yeah. it just accelerated your, your entry into the big boy game, right? Yeah. What was that like uh, when you left and now you're on your own, you got to figure this shit and maintain momentum? Yeah. I think, um, you know, graduating from Demo Day, um, you know, again, it's a mix of both fear and excitement. Yeah. Right? I think it's like those two things come hand in hand. Like I'm excited, uh-huh. but I'm scared. I'm scared, but I'm excited. So I think that was sort of like, you know, going into it, again, whole new world. Um, you don't have, uh, you know, Brian and Chukan to run to, you know, <laughs> every every time you have issues. Of course, it's still there, but... Um, it's, I guess, for me, it was really, it was a celebration in the sense that, hey, we got through that program. Uh, we were able to make huge strides on our, on our coverage and our tech. Um, and now it's about telling the world about it, right? It's being that the person, the messenger, to, to, just, to just tell people, okay, this is odd. This is what we do. This is how we do it. This is why we do it. So I think that's sort of like my life right now. Uh, in terms of like fundraising, it's really just telling the story. I'm very similar to like what I'm doing right now. And just like, you know, making people believe the same thing that I think, you know, we believe in, Chukan and Brian believed in. And again, with all the members of our family, what everyone believes in and works on every day. So I think it's, you know, that's what sort of like gives me confidence. I mean, of course, you know, the, the market right now is kind of, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's uh it's it's There's a lot of bulls out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh it's, it's definitely actually no, it's a lot of bears, not <laughs> bulls. A lot of bears, bears. A lot of bears. holy a lot shit of bears. grizzly yeah. territory. Yeah, it's uh yeah, but for me it's like <laughs> as long as you have confidence in you know like in the business, yeah. you know, I think in terms of the metrics, uh you know, we are what basically we believe we're what CC should be looking for. Right, because we 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 believe we're capital efficient. You know, we we know how to extend our runway. Um, you know, we're very creative with how we approach problems. And you know, for us, it's like you know, it's really showing people that you know there are three main cost centers in e-commerce, right? Fulfillment, logistics, and marketing. And we believe we have solutions for all three cost centers nice. for a more asset-like approach. So I think it's like just being very consistent with the story and you know really showing them that hey we didn't just do this because this is how everyone else is doing it we're doing things in an odd way because we think there's a better way to do things got it so i think that's sort of like my journey right now is just sort of like telling that story and being able to show people like okay like there is a version of e-commerce where the company could turn a profit 
right? It's not just going to be an endless burn. Nope. You know, there is there is light at the end of the tunnel if you do it right. So. Yep. And if you're a startup, it's really fucked up out there right now in terms <laughs> of fundraising, right? So you need to find a way to get profitable fast because this is probably a nuclear winter for fundraising because mm-hmm. of, you know, so many factors. The startups that are going to make it are those ones. Just like I always say, the best way to raise funding is through revenue. And those people that are going to make it out mm-hmm. of this ditch are those people who figure out how to do that with revenue. Now, again, congratulations and amazing work, Ander. But before I let you go, um, if people want to become a franchiser or a franchisee, I don't know, franchisee, I'm all franchisees all the time, invite people over to join Odd and what should they look out for in the next coming months and weeks remaining of this bear market out there. All right, cool. Nice, nice. So yeah, if you have any extra space at home or in your office or in your condo and you want to earn some extra income, uh, feel free to you know book an interview with me. So just go to bit.ly forward slash odd store interview. Uh, and basically, again, I, I work uh, seven days a week, so you can we have schedules from Monday to Sunday. And in terms of what uh, to look forward to next, definitely look out for your local odd store. So we're launching locations week on week. So just you know, follow us on Instagram. It's on demand uh, Follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, it's other on demand deals. And yeah, just stay updated for you know all the locations where we're launching. Again, our goal is to have an odd star near you um, as quickly as possible. So yeah, thank you so much, Ronster, for having me here, man. Super enjoyed this conversation. All right. And again, before I let you go, follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening to, whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any type of podcast app. And if you see a star rating on that, especially in Apple on Spotify, please give us a five-star rating. It helps to get people uh, discovered as well. And again, if you did say some jargon, it's going to be the show notes on hustleshare.com. And lastly, it's going to be part of the community of Hustleshare. It's going to be the Hustleshare community on Facebook. Again, Ando, thank you very much. Thank you, Roger. Amen on a Sunday. Thank you. Amen on a Sunday. And I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.